This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me on this lovely Friday morning. Uh, I've been pumping up my guest all week. I am super, super excited. I have Dini Petty here joining me today live on radio. And I just want to thank my audience for returning. I love having you here joining me on the Friday. I feel very grateful for your loyalty. And uh, as I normally do for those who follow me, what I'm going to do is just read a little bit about Dini's bio before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue, which I always prefer to do with my guests. So a little bit about Dini. Possessing a quick wit and incredible energy, Dini Petty is a brilliant conversationalist with a grace and sense of fun that is hard to resist. Familiar to Canadian viewers through her 10 years as host of the highly successful national daily talk show on CTV, The Dini Petty Show, and became known as, known as Canada's Oprah. At City TV, Dini set precedence as the award-winning anchor of Toronto City TV and hosted an innovative talk show that set Canadian broadcast records for size of its viewing, viewing audience. Dini won many awards for her documentary work at City TV as writer and host on City Pulse News at 6 o'clock, where Dini co-anchored and reported. In 1980, Dini created a television history when the camera followed her through her pregnancy and birth of her son, Nicholas. This award-winning documentary helped to demystify and break down the stigma of pregnancy and childbirth. Going the distance was nothing new for Dini, who has 5,000 hours as pilot in command of a pink Hughes 300 helicopter, making her the first woman in aviation history to pilot a helicopter while simultaneously reporting on traffic. Dini has many commercials made for TV films and roles on the big screen to her credit. Dini is the recipient of six Can Pro Awards for television, excellence for either her talk show or documentary work, four Gemini Awards for her interviewing skills, the NHTPE International IRIS Award, an American award for best international program regarding Dini's interview with Red Skeleton and the Canadian of Distinction Award. In 1992, Dini was recognized for her two decades of public service by the Royal General Bald Growers Association of the Netherlands and had a Triumph Tulip named after her. Dini became the spokesperson for an international aid organization encouraging Canadians to sponsor children in third world countries. Dini hosted a documentary that was centered around her trip to Romania to meet her sponsored child. The documentary infomercial quickly became the single most successful fundraiser Christian Children's Fund has ever done. Dini acted as spokesperson for Amnesty International, the Canadian infomercial she hosted to raise funds, and increased membership has become one of their most successful ever in Canada and the USA. Dini founded the youth pregnancy phone in line in her early days at City TV. When the funding ended, it was refunded and continues to this day under a new name, the Kids Help Phone. Canada's only free, national, bilingual, confidential, and anonymous 24-hour telephone and online counseling service for kids up to 20 years of age. 
Dini wrote a children's book that became an instant bestseller, The Queen, the Bear, and the Bumblebee. An epic piece of poetry, Dini is now preparing her next book, a collection of her poetry. Over the last several years, Dini has put together a one-woman play, A Broad View, that is touring Canada to rave reviews. Dini, I just want to say how awesome it is to have you here. I can't believe you're a guest on my show. I just think you're phenomenal, and I want to thank you for your time, and I just want to say how much I personally am in awe of you. I have followed you through most of my life. You were always on the television set in our home, and uh, I just, I just can't thank you enough. This is amazing. So welcome to my show, Carpe Diem. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, Carpe Diem, seize the moment. Seize the moment, seize the day, seize life, seize everything. Yeah, I heard someone, uh, this gentleman friend of mine who sent me a text and I said, you ought to make that up as your poster. I think it's your personal motto. Nice. Uh, Enjoy the game. It's all that matters. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, either figure out a way to enjoy what you're doing or go do something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. You did forget to mention one thing. Oh, what would that be? All that litany you read, I did it with a red ball balanced on the end of my nose. Just, you know, we could throw that in. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually two, one thing I would like to correct or comment on. I did that documentary called Having a Baby, and uh, Moses and Imer, who ran City TV, actually talked me into, they actually photographed the amniocentesis. Wow. Which is when they uh, take some fluid just to make sure the baby's okay, because I was, quote, an elderly mother. Every time I go to the hospital, they say, Dee Dee Petty's are the elderly mother. And I go, do you have to say that, for God's sake? <laughs> so when they brought the camera in, and I'm lying on the table, and the camera's there, and the doctor walks in. I had uh-huh. a big duh moment. I'm like, what if this really hurts that I'm like crying on camera? <laughs> um, it, it doesn't hurt. And I used it actually for women who, like myself, the night before I went in for it, had all these nightmares about, you know, knives mm-hmm. and being hacked. It's really much like giving blood. It doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is when you hear I had my baby on television, what picture comes to your mind? Now, there's a lot of things I would not put on TV, and that happens to be at the top of my list. <laughs> when you saw my son, and anyone who's had a baby knows that your knees are up and they're draped, the camera was behind my head. Mm-hmm. So you saw Nick when he was handed to me. Lovely. So Beautiful. I, well, I couldn't get the kid to watch the documentary for years. So on his 15th, <laughs> 19th birthday, I said, Nick, you have to watch this. Sit down. Uh-huh. Right. Watch the whole watch the whole thing. Didn't say a word, and when it was over, he made the most definitive male comment that one man could make. <laughs> what did you think, Nick? Silence. Mom, the whole city saw my bag. I'm like, oh my god, Nick! I never thought of that. And he got up, and walked out of the room. I'm like, oh, that didn't work so well, did it? <laughs> oh, well, he sounds like your son. <laughs> yes. He is my son in many Yeah. No, and that's what we all love about you, Dini, is you're just so raw. And when we spoke on the phone, we've had a couple of conversations now, and I also want to thank you uh, now that we're live for the lovely package that you put together. Uh, generally speaking, when I request people to send in their bio information, they just do it through email. But you did it, you know, you did it in the care package, and you sent me a lovely copy of your book and your poetry, some things that have not been seen by the public. And so I'm just incredibly touched, incredibly honored and uh 
I just, you know, when we spoke on the phone, I was quite taken aback for as much as I thought I already knew about you and from what I gleaned uh, in following you, um, just how parallel our lives are. Uh, which is not uncommon for a lot of people when you're talking about career, raising a family, uh, putting yourself out there in the public eye, whether it be TV, radio, whatever the case may be. But you really spoke with me or spoke to me and through me. And uh, I just want to say how lovely that conversation was. It was a pretty emotional day and uh, you kind of caught me off guard there, but you were just, you're just so raw. I mean, we dropped a few F-bombs and it was awesome. <laughs> We don't do that in radio. One of the rules is whenever you're wearing a microphone to all the people who have been caught, idiots who have been caught doing dumb things, uh-huh. when your mic's on, no matter where you are, the mic is live and you're on air is what you have to remember. So yeah. it's a different language privately and a different language publicly. Yeah. No, but I... I- I just really enjoyed, I, I just really enjoyed the rawness of our conversation and it was just, you know, two women speaking heart to heart and about a lot of personal things and, uh, I took a lot away from that conversation and I, you know, I, I mauled it over and I just thought, wow, there's something extra special about this person outside of, you know, people knowing you as Dini Petty, but just the human being. You're just a really beautiful human being. Uh, thank you. I think you know, we forget. Uh, I, it's a quote out of the, a book called The Sedona Method. And mm-hmm. you have to remember that in the 80s and 90s, uh, I've done 20,000 interviews. And in that time, I interviewed every self-help guru, with the exception of Tony Robbins. I did all the rest of them. And so, you you know, if you don't learn while doing that, then I gather you're just, you're an idiot. But uh, <laughs> that's the line out of The Sedona Method that, stuck with me is that we all think that we're individual when we're, we're going through terrible times and everybody has, you know, life is full of tragedy. The Buddhists were right. Life is suffering. But when we go through them, we think we're alone and we're the only one. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we're far more similar than we are different. So we women have very similar journeys. Anyone who's trying to raise kids, have a relationship and keep a job mm-hmm. or, you know, is we have the same problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Although, uh, although technology has changed at the speed of light in my lifetime, mm-hmm. human, human nature is exactly the same. Yeah. Well, as far as the technology, I'd know that from our last conversation about the whole Facebook. <laughs> oh, God. Me and Facebook. <laughs> and so that was Nicholas who gave you a hand in that? Yes, and I actually am, uh, have a young lady that's going to come and help me with some social media because I have several projects on the go, mm-hmm. um, and I need to actually be more, what's the word I want? Uh, savvy? More. Yeah, more, that's the word. I need to be, I need to be smarter and more savvy. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got quite the following. You've got quite the following, which is of no surprise. But uh, So when I read your bio, uh, you know, I don't know where you want to start. I mean, is there is there one aspect of your career looking back that you miss? You know, do you miss being there for the 6 o'clock news? Do you miss the documentaries? You know, is there any one aspect of what you've done, what you've covered, uh, you know, that you could go back into in a heartbeat as if it were yesterday and just pick up? Uh, I wouldn't want to anchor the news again, though. No. I, I, I love being a reporter. Um, I do like the art of conversation. Mm-hmm. But I find that um, 
I mean, I'm 70 years old. There are, you know, people keep saying, you should be on TV. And I keep saying, how many 70-year-old women do you see? And if I hear, well, what about Betty White? I'm like, <laughs> but it's, and that's fine with me. I'm happy. I have a lot of good things happening in my life. And change is something that I'm, I learned to enjoy when mm-hmm. we moved to Baltimore, Maryland. And I was in grade four and I had, I guess everybody goes through this or most of us do, I had a witch for a teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. She was just, she stood up in front of the class one day and said, Tommy's Parker pen is missing and we know who the thief is. And on that day, Parker pens were like the big deal. And I was like, oh, right? wow, they better give it back. <laughs> At four o'clock, she stood up in front of the class and said, the pen has not been returned and Dee Petty is the thief. Oh, you're kidding. No, so I, I it was, Good in the sense that I came to understand what it's like to be uh, unjustly accused. Uh-huh. Um, and I I learned so much from this woman, but I learned more than anything else because I wrote my first piece of poetry in her class. And when I got up and recited it, she she accused me of plagiarism and being a liar. And said wow. She up. Oh, she was a lovely human being. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> well, you know, Tina, you know. We left Baltimore and we moved to Danbury, Connecticut, and I went to school the next year where I was the teacher's pet and would help him mark uh, uh, tests and everything. And I was extremely popular, and I thought, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I haven't changed. Mm -hmm. I've changed locations. So I came to understand and embrace change. So as you go along in life, you know, it cycles and ups and downs and changes, and it's easier to embrace it and go with it because if you don't it's going to make life a lot harder well absolutely and i totally subscribe to that myself and for me it's a continual of of not just embracing but surrendering you know relinquishing the things that no longer serve you and perfect example is the teacher you just mentioned i mean you know because that life lessons stay with you forever and uh you know People's comments, people's attitudes, people's behaviors and choices can leave indelible marks on our soul, either, you know, for the positive or for the not so positive. And, you know, I echo your sentiments with what you said. My first introduction to school in kindergarten, I had a really obtuse teacher, uh, pun intended. Her name was Mrs. Angle, and she wanted to fail me. She wanted to fail me. I was the youngest and the smallest in the class. I was the only left pers- left-handed Southpaw person. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't count, you know, all the numbers, didn't know all the alphabet, couldn't recite everything as quickly, probably took one too many walks down the hall to get a glass of water, drink a water from the fountain, and she wanted to fail me. And uh, we got that, uh, I got assessed, and, and we realized going forward that it was just the teacher. It was just not a good uh a good combination chemistry wise between she and I, but I think she was on her way out the door anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting when you look back on your life and you look at all your mentors and you look at all the people that have had a role or, or played a hand in, uh, you know, imparting wisdom or life lessons. And you really have to get to a point where you discern, okay, what's valuable here? What speaks to me? And uh, to what degree does this person really know me or have my best interest at heart that this is even worth, you know, taking into account or listening to or implementing into my life? So, yeah, teachers, I thank goodness for all the great ones. But I spoke um, to uh, the Catholic school board, I don't know, 300 people several months ago mm-hmm. up, uh, up north, and I said, I believe that you should pay teachers a lot more. And the whole room goes, ah, oh, and I go, I'm not kidding. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. teachers spend more time with our children than parents do, and a That's... teacher can ruin a life with a couple of sentences mm-hmm. or can embrace and encourage one with the same effort. Pay your good teachers a lot more money. They are so incredibly valuable. And Absolutely. get rid of the bad ones. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I concur with that wholeheartedly. So, so Dini, do you, do you still keep up with your sponsored child in Romania? What's that relationship looking like today? Uh, we actually got him here. Uh, awesome. To adopt him. Wow. Well, I don't know if I'd say awesome. Unfortunately, they brought another little girl from the same orphanage and they kept, I remember the first time I went into the home. And realized that they were stimulating each other and keeping keeping the mentality alive. And anyone um, who's done any research or knows anything about adoption knows that when they study attachment disorder, mm-hmm. uh, Romanian orphans are at the top of the list because so many there's no I, there's no known number of how many children actually went into the orphanages. Records were never kept. Mm-hmm. Ceausescu, the insane madman who ruined the country, uh, ref- refused to acknowledge they exist. So there could be anywhere from a hundred to five hundred thousand children that wow. went into these orphanages where they lay in cribs, were not hugged or cuddled, seldom mm-hmm. fed or cleaned. The lucky ones died. Mm-hmm. The unlucky ones were scooped up by the sex trade that moved in. Mm-hmm. So. Of the two children that came here, um, Zach, he's he's pretty much okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But the little girl that they brought, oh, my God, the havoc. She, like so many stories of Romanian orphans going into homes. And some of them make it. Some of them are okay. But a huge percentage of them, the, um, it just completely breaks down and they destroy the family. This little girl destroyed many lives along the way. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, nobody, who knew? Everybody was, uh, we were people of good intention. Mm-hmm. And sometimes good intentions are not enough. I haven't heard from Zach for, oh, several years. Um, we were emailing and he sent mm-hmm. me an email saying, you don't answer all my emails. I said, Zach, I don't answer every single email, I guess. But how old would Zach be today? He was uh, six when I met him. We got him here when he was seven, and he's probably 21. And the wow. young girl uh, who caused all, oh, God, the problems this child caused uh, has gone back into care and can't literally function in society because if you've never had love or affection, your problem is you, 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 um, you bind too quickly with people. You... And she can't, it's strange, but she called me after she literally destroyed this family, literally, Mm -hmm. and by falsely accusing the father of sexually abusing her. And then she called me when it was all over and said, "We, I'd like to be friends. I said, honey, we can't be friends after what you did. Mm -hmm. And she replied, well, they should have given me what I wanted. So wow. truth is that, yeah, it's it's hard to even imagine, but when you grow up like that and you have to survive minute to minute, uh, truth is a, is an, an, an unknown substance. You just say what you need to do to get through the day. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, I'm, going to write, I'm going to write a book about it. I've started it. Uh, it's uh, 
saints and sinners because the most ex- there was also an extraordinary twist at the end of the whole story that I didn't see coming that was is remarkable but wow well I look forward to reading that yeah it's uh if it wasn't for the remarkable extraordinary twist at the end of the story where I I do believe looking back that the priest who did Teresa's funeral was absolutely correct he called her a saint mm-hmm. and I called him to Two weeks later and I said do you actually believe she was a saint and he said Dini there are many little saints in the forest known only to God and yes I believe she was such a woman and although evil won the day it never won her and she is undoubtedly one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met I think I met a living saint wow yeah so between the Romanian kids and the destruction and the act in the middle of it all was this light well, and I believe light always comes out of darkness. It's, it always emerges. It's always there, you know, providing you're willing to see it and you're receptive to it. I believe it's always there for the taking and for the enlightening and the awakening. So I'm glad to hear that. And do you have a timeline attached to your book or are you just kind of playing it by year and whenever it comes to fruition, it comes to fruition? Um, in the, the story happened over 15 years and being an old reporter i started <laughs> taking notes all along the way so the whole thing's pretty much documented Good. i have about three files about four inches thick wow thick each with notes do you have a good so editor I, <laughs> uh no i need a good editor but i'm still in the process of um organ i finally got around to doing it so I'm, i've organized the notes i've started writing it so it's got a ways to go well, I can refer an editor to you when we're not online. Oh, great. She'd love to work with you. That would be very cool. Yes. And, uh, and so when you, when you, when you go back and you look upon your career and you think about what news was back then, uh, and what was newsworthy and, um, you know, how people portrayed the news. I mean, do you have any opinions or insights as to what news was like back then versus what the news of today is? Do you feel we've come a long way? Do you feel that uh, it's become more entertainment or it's become more... Um, I'll let you pick up with that. Do you have any well, opinions? It's, it's a confluence of so many factors. I was at a meeting and uh, we were discussing this project and uh, somebody said, let's do a, a minute and a half commercial. So my son said, can I just read you this? <laughs> he flipped <laughs> through his laptop and quotes from some study, which says the attention of the average American is eight seconds. Wow. So, Well, if you're taking people, you know, when I was a reporter, you know, if the, if the Pope came to town, he got a minute. And that was a big story. Mm-hmm. And you had to squeeze things in, you know, just get to the salient point. And, and, uh, we're always trying to entertain and amuse people just so we can keep their attention. And, uh, somebody, you know, there's always a the question, why is news always about tragedies? To which I say, well, if we went to the world's largest picnic last night, mm-hmm. and there was a young girl who set a world's record for sprinting. And then there was the launch of, a homemade rocket that went higher than any other rocket had ever gone in the history of recorded children's making rockets. And at the end of the day, a woman stood up and shot her husband. What would we all go home and talk about? Oh, my God, Martha took the gun. Right. So we're attracted right. to outpoints. Mm-hmm. 
meaning we go A, B, C, D, E every day, and then mm-hmm. when a big outpoint occurs, it really gets our attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's more advertising, and yes, we're becoming a global community um, because of the extraordinary advancement in communication. And I sometimes wonder if perhaps the whole world is going to sink down to a third world level and we'll all climb out of the muck together because, you know, the greatest percentage of the world is third world. And if you've never worked in those places, there are are things you have never imagined and there are things you do not want to see. Mm -hmm. The value of human life, one of the major problems is... um, gender inequality in many third world countries women and children have have little value going back to you know when we were all chattel right and it, it's still that way and we we in north america you know women in this in north america i went to a, a tech conference of young women who were there to get awards and outstanding in our field and i said you know every woman in the third world with a daughter has a dream it's the same dream that her daughter ends up in a room like this. Don't mm-hmm. forget where we are. Don't forget where we come from. And don't forget how much we have to fight, you know, for for advancement, for equal rights. We're still, we still have problems with abortion in Canada. It's mm-hmm. still a big deal. People, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. We've come far, but we have, we mustn't, you know, you have to be vigilant and you mustn't forget. The luxury of a democracy like this is you can forget. You can just enjoy. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you on behalf of all women for uh, what you do and what you've done to champion, uh, you know, just the awareness, bringing awareness to the public eye and uh, letting people know what some of the inequities still continue to be. And, uh, you know, so... Being a woman, being a woman who took women's studies in university, I just want to say thank you very much. And I have a son and a daughter. And, uh, you know, so it's not just about women. It's about humankind. It's about humanity. And my religion is kindness. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Dini, for everything that you've done to champion rights of all and bring equality to everybody. So thank you. You know, it's interesting. People always ask me or often ask me, what was your motivation? And my motivation is like any other woman who's separated or on her own raising two kids. And I say, you know, apparently those kids wanted three meals a day. I couldn't lock them in the basement and leave. My whole driving motivation, because the support laws weren't in place and it was just me and the kids, was to get me and the kids through it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I always say about being able to help or do something, if you can, you do. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, no need to apologize. Right. Beautiful. And so as far as news goes, do you do you tune into the news much? Do you do you subscribe to any one particular network? Uh I don't know if you would publicly want it to Reference that. Um, I don't get CDT. I don't. I'm like uh, I'm like a lot of of the modern people today. I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I think you can probably do a character analysis by asking people, "What are you watching on Netflix?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, have, I have Netflix and my son put up a little aerial. Aerial, so I get free TV. I get. Uh, I don't get City. If I did, I would watch just because uh-huh. that's my home ground. So I check out. Uh, you know, the National, and I check out uh, Lisa Laflemme. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but yeah, no, I try to stay current. 
And do you do you have any reunions on the network? Do you have you been asked to mentor any of some of the new anchors that have come on and uh, are now nope. currently part of that? No. Nope. No. Nope. Have they you? Have no, you, I haven't. No. And what about guest speaking? When you go, like, when I think about the colleges or the universities and the different programs, like radio broadcasting, has anybody sought you out to come in and do some speaking? Maybe some inspirational, some motivational, offering some tips and guidelines. Uh, I'm laughing. No, <laughs> I just, I didn't I'm shocked. <laughs> I, I mean, I would have thought that. I mean, I would be all over that if I was running those programs. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I, um, I do some speaking around the country and I do some writing and I have these two huge projects I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no. And if they did, I'd be happy to. Lovely. And what about your children's book? Is it, is, uh, are, are you, do you have any inclination to want to write another children's book or do you every every once in a while periodically check back in with the stories and do book signings is is there any momentum going with the book still or was that just it, it served its time during that time uh the book the queen the bear and the bumblebee yeah is an beautiful book. epic piece of poetry which would take me five or six minutes to recite which i've recited so often i think i can do it backwards now Mm-hmm. Um, it was set to music, and last summer I went to the Banff Children's Festival, where an extraordinary woman named Erin Thrall has turned it into a stage presentation. Beautiful. Yeah, so uh, it has its own life mm-hmm. and continues to, that little bee just keeps on flying around. So <laughs> I don't think I'd, uh, I mean, I had almost a second adventure written, but. Uh-huh. Well, no, you never know, life right? Yeah, life, never know. life, as you know, life is interesting like that. You think you're on a path and you endeavor to do certain things and then for whatever reason you come full circle sometimes right back to the beginning with the inception of your journey or something else that you thought you were done with or had moved on from. So, but I love the book. I read it to my children. They absolutely loved it. So thank you so much. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you, too, when, when you think back on all the awards that you've been uh, the recipient of, you know, is it is it the first award that you've ever won that stands out because it was the first award and it's kind of, um, you know, proof and verification and, and uh, you know, just solidifying what you knew to be true about your talents, your skills, and putting all your hard work and sweat and tears into becoming who you were and getting your voice out there and doing a phenomenal job? Or was it any other particular award that you received going forward after that 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 really sticks out in your mind as being the most meaningful for you? I don't place much on awards, and I truly believe the honor is in being nominated and recognized, and you win for or lose for different reasons. I did learn early on by coincidence, that if I didn't show up, I'd win. If I showed up, I lost, so I just stopped going. (laughs) But the one that meant the most significance to me that has the greatest story behind it is the tulip, the Dini Petty Triumph tulip, which was a double pink because the helicopter was Pepto-Bismol pink. Mm. This tulip was a bright pink in the outside and a darker pink inside, and so... When they gave me this honor, they sent me some bulbs, and I planted them in the fall. And I go running out to the garden every spring day. And then one day, 
one of the tulips is open. And I go running up to it, and it looks orange. And I'm like, well, that doesn't look right. And I'm like, what, how we can be so ungrateful? They name a freaking tulip after you. But, yeah, but it's orange. Well, the other's open, and it turned out they sent me one weird tulip, and the others were the right color. Wow. So, uh, um, lupus, uh, I I was their spokesperson, not that I have it or know anyone who does, but they were such nice people. They used it as a fundraiser. And then Mm -hmm. a hotel in Toronto planted a garden full of Dini Petty tools, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of years later... I have this big certificate from the guys in Holland, the Dini Petty Triumph Tulip with the guy's name. So I email this guy and I go, I'd like to get some more Dini Petty Tulips. And he calls me and he says, I'm sorry, there aren't any more. It didn't hybridize. I said, how is that possible? You obviously gave me the wrong tulip because if you (laughs) smiled at me the right way, I got pregnant. (laughs) So the guy said, well, I'm sorry, we can't do anything about it. So my friend Barb Turnbull, who worked for the Star then, Mm -hmm. I called her and I'm like, we have to do something. I can't believe they have to give me another tulip. She said, like, you're obsessed. I go, I know. It's the only <laughs> thing that I've I've ever been awarded. I was so thrilled. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well. Now, apparently they were going to give me a rose, but I'm a few petals short. <laughs> that was so bad. I shouldn't have said it. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking, we, you and I were talking with Cameron here uh, pre-live about Barbara Turnbull. And I met that woman. Um, what a phenomenal woman. When I worked at um, Intern Place in uh, Port Credit, I was there for a little brief period of time, Women's Shelter, Women and Children Fleeing Domestic Violence, and we had her as our keynote speaker um, because, of course, as you pointed out, and I'm not sure a lot of people would know about her, she was unfortunately the woman who had been shot in that convenience store. And, uh, I mean, She's just rallied. She's championed. Uh, you know, I, I got to meet her in person, um, bought her book. She inscribed the book. Just absolutely lovely. And she's done a lot, as we talked about, for championing women's rights, people with disabilities. And, you know, you mentioned the Toronto Star. And, um, you know, and from what I knew in listening to her speak, she talked about how much she loved to frequent the movies. And it was something that she always did as an escape and as a pastime. And, of course, you know, when she uh, required a wheelchair, she realized that she was no longer able to participate in that. And so she championed all of that, making it uh, user-friendly and accessibility. And um, so what a lovely woman she was. And not a surprise that we share her in common. She's just beautiful. I don't, if, if people don't know who Barb was, when she was shot at 18 in a milk store filling in for her sister one night, she was left a quadriplegic. Yes. And I met her three days later. Her family asked me to go and see her because I was someone she admired when she was younger. Over our 32 years of friendship, she lost all that admiration. And we were very, we were very close friends and we bonded through black twisted humor, mm-hmm. which if, which is one of my major points. I often say to people, if I could wave a magic wand, I would give you a gift and that gift would be a sense of humor. Because mm-hmm. if you do not have a sense of humor, life is very, very hard. If you have a sense of humor, life is very hard. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, Barb, I, I've never met anybody under a bigger pile of dung than an 18-year-old left a quadriplegic who went on to do so much. Mm-hmm. But it was humor. I mean, Barb and I laughed at the most uh, just crazy. We had such good times. 
And I remember saying to her once, because there was someone else who was left uh, a paraplegic around the same time she became a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. And this man railed against the world and was angry and they had to do research and they, he was just so, just became such a bitter, horrible person. His wife left him and he lost most of his friends. And I said to Barb, okay, so he turns into this and you are like this. Like, how come? She said, Dini, I was always like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she passed away Mother's Day of this year and, uh, oh well. Yeah. When people Sorry. say I'm gonna, I'm, I'm crying for Barbara Trumbull, I said, "Don't you dare! You raise mm-hmm. a glass and toast an extraordinary life." Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Dini, because she really was a bright light in this world, and uh, I'm so honored that I got to meet her. And she had everybody in stitches. You know, oh God, she's funny. Oh, she had absolutely everybody in stitches. And of course, when you see a woman come on and you know going into the event who the keynote speaker is and a little bit of, you know, their bio and what's happened and why they are in fact the keynote speaker, you know, you expect it's all going to be morose and, and all of this. And, and I mean, she just had everybody in stitches and, and she really knew how to, uh, clearly demonstrate you know, when something happens to you, there's always a choice involved in how you, you go forward. And as you said, the humor, the humor, the tenacity, the resiliency, and uh, she was a spitfire. So, yeah. You know, I, I think on that point, one of the things I've observed is that there it's innate in the human spirit of how much you can deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, there I did a, a documentary piece of work. I did one on child abuse, and then my news director came on and said, you're going to do one on incest. I'm like, incest? Mm-hmm. It was an extraordinary journey, and I put an ad in the Toronto Star, the Telegram, and another paper saying in the personal column, female journalist doing research into incest. If you've had an incestuous or near incestuous experience, please write to Dini Patty City TV. Within one month, I had over 400 contacts. People, women started calling. And wow. it's not like you can hang up the phone. And I learned an extraordinary thing about about humans. One, uh, first, incest victims, as all children uh, who are severely abused, first blame themselves. That's the first mm-hmm. thing thing. But I met women who never told anyone, mm-hmm. like the woman who called me from Sunnybrook Hospital and was dying and had never never told anyone. We were on the phone for three hours. Wow. So some never tell anyone. Some get on a psychiatrist's couch and never get off. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, a percentage become lesbians, hate men, gee, Kelsey Capris. Uh, I've met uh, a very few become professional victims. I had a mother and daughter come forward for the documentary I did, and I spent a lot of time with them. And I saw on three occasions, or maybe four, People come up and introduce themselves to the daughter. And instead of saying, hi, my name is uh, Ann Brown or whatever, she would say, hello, I'm Ann Brown. I'm an incest victim. And the first time she said it, I was like, whoa. And the second and third time, I watched the faces of the people she met, and they just, they changed. And I went, my God, she's using this as a, as a power thing. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing I learned. I went to lunch with a woman who, uh, and these are incest victims. It was full intercourse with uh, some male adult family, close family member, a long time. 
and uh, I had lunch with this woman who was such a woman. Mm-hmm. And the family dynamic with her two children and her husband was extraordinary. It was it was amazing. So after the husband and kids left, and I got to talking to her, I said, "How did you do it?" I've met those who, you know, never get off the psychiatrist's couch, those who never talk, uh, professional. How did you do it? Mm-hmm. And she said, I drew a line in the sand, and I decided that I deserved a good life. And deserve is a big word. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there are some, you are born, you don't know how far you can, how much you can take until you have to walk a mile in your own shoes. Absolutely. And the way we can help each other is to take that there is a percentage who can draw the line in the sand and make the change. And then there's a whole bunch around that percentage that with a little help, care, attention, uh, guidance can also draw the line in the sand. So we can increase that. I quit working on third world aid because I said in Zambia, look, I, it's like I'm standing at a well with a bucket full of holes and... Every time I pull up a bucket of water, most of it's leaving. That woman over there, although you kindly give her shelter and food and uh, a way to make a living, has no birth control. And she's going to have a baby every year or every other year. And there are not enough people in the world to sponsor these mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. I said, I'm going back to work in my own country because I believe if you want to raise, if there's a line of normalcy where, where you want to pull up and pull women up to, Mm-hmm. You go to third world, they're way, 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 it's a long way up to that line. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of women just under that line or pretty close to it that just need to understand what self-esteem is about, how to deal with it, how to fix it, who need um, a cheerleader, which is, I call it, people who believe in them. And you can make a huge, and I think that's the way to go at it. And then you just keep pulling up those just below the line, then you go further and further down. Not that we should stop working in third world countries, Mm -hmm. but we should do more to help people who are closer to achieving. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to go back to something you said a little bit ago when you were talking about the woman who introduced herself as the incest victim. So I'm all about terminology. I think, you know, and you would know this, uh, and more so especially given what you've done for a living, you know, the power of language uh, is so profound and, you yep. know, it, it really becomes incorporated into our DNA and action follows thought. So I, you know, and I've talked about this with previous guests on radio, I really struggle with that word victim. And I think for somebody who's using their story, which I think is a beautiful, wonderful thing, uh, you know, to, to impart their message, their wisdom, their insights, to infuse strength and, and resiliency in, in people, um, do you not believe it would be more empowering to introduce yourself, particularly if you're on that platform of trying to make a statement? Uh, you know, I, I'm an incest warrior, you know? Um, I think if you're meeting somebody that you don't know and doesn't know that you uh-huh. are, that why would you open, be your opening line to somebody, hi, I'm, you know, I'm an incest. Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of that. Like I, I No, that's know. what she was doing. Yeah, and I, you know, so I, I kind of cringed a little bit when I heard that, but I was just letting you speak your story. But I, you know, in terms of whether it's in the right context, the right channels, the right platform, the right audience, you know, all of that, I just, you know, I, I really struggle with the word victim because I think if you use that 
uh, as your self descriptor, yeah. you use that. I mean, you're, you're never going to rise. Uh, you've already set the bar very low that that's it as far as healing, as far as empowerment, as far as, you know, getting out from underneath your circumstances and not allowing it to define you. I mean, sure, it molds you and it's a part of who you are. Uh, and people can do phenomenal things as a result of all the awful things that have happened to them. But I just, you know, I've talked about this quite a bit with previous guests, like I mentioned. But that word victim, I really struggle with that. I totally agree with you. Uh, language is critically important. Um, two quick examples. I was talking with a man who had a huge turning point in his life. And he said, I realized that my life had been a struggle and it always would be. And then mm-hmm. when he finished, I said, you know, let's look at the word struggle. Mm-hmm. It implies hardship. It implies pain and anguish. It's really such a negative word. Could you say that you you have struggled, but you're going to view the rest of your life as an adventure? Anything mm-hmm. that's more, because you're absolutely right. It, language is, and we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I say to women when I speak is <clears throat> we spend, we women spend, so much time on our hair and our makeup and our clothes and how pretty we are. And we forget that when we open our mouth, we give it all away. Mm. Your voice and the way you speak says more about you than any dress or makeup you'll ever. So she's looking great and she's like, hi, I'm, you know, the ones that talk to the little girl's voice. <laughs> and language um, is, is everything and the way you present yourself. But we don't listen to ourselves when we talk. Mm. We are so busy thinking of what we're going to say or if someone's talking, we jump to the story we want to tell. So we seldom listen to the words that are coming out of our mouth, which obviously I'm doing right now extraordinarily consciously. And one of the things will happen if you do that is Mm -hmm. you will pick up on, on habits or things that you do in your own speech. Like one time I tuned into myself and I heard myself say, I'm going to the store first to milk. That's F-U-R. I'm like, what are you doing, Deanie? But we we never listen to ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's oftentimes because, of course, the whole premise of this network and all the individual host shows is about personal empowerment. So, you know, we talk about things like leadership and authenticity and, and uh, you know, personal development and spirituality. And so there's a common common message, a common thread that runs throughout a lot of my uh, conversations with guests, and it really is. It's about, you know, it, it's all, it, it becomes part of your DNA. The, if you're, you're physiologically wired based on the messages you send to yourself, and what you emit out there is what you attract. And when people continually complain about, oh, I can't believe I'm in this situation again, or can you believe that happened again to me? Well, yeah, I kind of do, actually, because you haven't changed your inner dialogue. And, you know, so if you emit the positive, you're going to attract the positive. If you emit the negative, you're, you're going to be stuck in that vicious cycle, unfortunately. And it's okay, so simple. Okay. okay, two things. There is no new truth. Yes. There has been no new truth since I arrived on the planet Earth 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. Nothing is new. So why are there so many self-help books? What mm-hmm. my my viewpoint is that language parlance, um, the way you express things varies from person to person. But all of these messages all come down to the same thing. There mm-hmm. is no new truth. You can read four books 
that are all saying the same thing. The first one you go, I don't like the way the guy writes. Uh, second one is, I don't know, I didn't, it's not working. <clears throat> and the fourth book, you go, I totally get that. But they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no new truth. We keep trying to convey to each other our own interpretation of it all. And truth comes to us in interesting ways. You hear a concept, a truth, mm-hmm. you internalize it and understand it, then mm-hmm. you take it into your own universe and you apply it and it works once or twice, and then it becomes your own truth. Mm-hmm. And probably the truest thing I've heard about life is one of the greatest people I knew was my Aunt Doss, who never married, worked as a 411 operator, information please, her whole life. Mm-hmm. And in her late 40s, inherited $4,000, started playing the market, made enough to get a financial advisor who lost her money, gave him a second chance. He lost her more money, and she went on her own. At her death, five or six years ago, all her nieces and nephews were happy because that $4,000 was $400,000. Wow. So I live with this woman who's my dearest friend, my biggest supporter of my whole life, and I say to her, thought, what religion are you leaving at? Because she said, you know, I'm going as an agnostic. I said, interesting choice. Why? She said, because I'm not smart enough to know. I said, could be the best answer I've heard so far. Wow. Absolutely. A couple of days later, I said, Dot, what's life all about? She said, it's going to take me a minute. I said, all right, take all the time you want. (laughs) So she looked at me and she said, I got it. I said, what is it? She said, life is just one goddamn thing after another. (laughs) sometimes it's a good goddamn thing but most times it's just one damn thing after another and i said dad i think you've nailed it cold that's what life is lovely love that i wanted a t-shirt just tell me what you want i'll tell you if i can help just Mm -hmm. cut all the bs get down to the point you know absolutely simplify simplify yeah so you know, we don't have much time here before we wrap up, but I, I I would really love to hear from you what you would like to say to all your listeners. You know, if, if there's something that you've learned uh, outside of some of the things you've already imparted and shared with us, but if there's anything, you know, for people who are, um, you know, whether they want to embark upon the career and follow in your footsteps, or if it's just, you know, because we live in a different era, it's a different time, uh, therefore that sometimes brings about, you know, different conflicted messages or whatnot. I mean, what is the message that you would like to leave out there? What is the legacy that you're hoping that you will be remembered by, outside of all your athletes? <laughs> I, uh, this is the second time I've heard somebody said to me, look at the legacy. I go, you have no idea who you influence in life. Everybody's watching you. I, mm-hmm. If I could, I would wave that wand and give you a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I would hope that you have uh, that ability as a human being as um, to walk uh, that mile in your own shoes and survive because life is very difficult. Without a sense of humor, it's very, very difficult. And above all of that, the only thing that made me successful was I worked and I had all these executive producers and people who would say, okay, we're doing the show this way, and it's going to have that angle, and we're going to do this. And I'd listen to them, and then they'd fire them and hire another bunch of people who'd go, no, we're going this way. And one day I decided just to be who I am. And the more I was just who I am, the more successful I became. The last two lines of my children's book, the poetry book, 
has a, a moral, and the moral is, in the book, that both of them learned that the best thing to do is be who you are because there's only one you. And the last thing I would add is the opening line of a, it was my grandmother saying, and I, I wrote a poem out of it for women. Mm-hmm. And it says, take care of yourself, love, because if you don't, no one else will. Throw Jason. yourself at the world. Seek every opportunity. And when you fail, and you will fail, drop gracefully to the ground and do whatever you have to do. And then get up and go at it again and again and again. But wherever you go, whatever you do, take care of yourself, love. Because if you don't, no one else will. Beautiful, Dini. Thank you so much. What a lo- We need the orchestra to come in now with the music, don't we? <laughs> Well, we've got like less than two minutes here. So I just, you know, we could talk for hours and I would certainly love to have you back at some point. Uh, and I'm looking forward to you and I meeting. We've talked about having lunch together whenever we can fit that in. Um, and I just, uh, I just want to say, Dini, on behalf of everybody who's listening, all the people who are following, all the people who are so excited to know that you are going to be my guest today, I just want to thank you for uh, the difference that you've made in this world and what you've done for all of us individually, collectively. Love your spirit, love your humor, love your your outlook on life. So I just want to thank you very much, and I also want to thank my listening audience for once again returning and joining me here at Carpe Diem. For anybody who would like to appear on my show as a guest or if you'd like to put forth any show topic ideas you'd like for me to speak to you can kindly reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com or lisamcdonaldauthor.com so Zini, lovely lovely having you here I wish you all the best have a lovely weekend and we'll talk very soon okay Lisa McDonald if any of your your listeners want to come to me go to deanypetty.com and that'll be my website yeehaw Okay, Dini. Yeehaw. Okay, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Take care. Lisa McDonald, Carpe Diem, Contact Talk Radio Network. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.